Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This episode deals with serious and distressing content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, this is Beth. While I've got you, if you love how I survived, please rate, review and subscribe. It helps other fans like you find us too. He lifted up the baseball bat and his face was like his teeth were gritting. The next minute I look up and that's when I seen the baseball bat coming down on me. And that was sort of it. It was just like bang. And so I yelled out to the girls, said, go and get mummy help. Please go and get mummy help. This is How I Survived. Stories of everyday people and how they survived against the odds. I'm your host, Beth Young. You know, am I going to die or what? I mean, I, I look back at it now and I thought, you know, how did I ever survive that? I think that I probably survived for a reason. How I survived. A devoted single mum of three, 37-year-old Simone O'Brien was looking for love. She'd been divorced amicably from her ex, the kid's dad Trevor, for more than four years. But working two jobs to make ends meet and ferrying Gabby, 15, Ashlyn, 11 and Zach, 10 between school, basketball and playdates didn't leave much time for romance. So she decided to try online dating, but she wanted to be safe. I'd actually been in real estate prior to children and I knew you had to have a police check and it was just scrolling through, a light bulb just clicked and there was a real estate agent that popped up and I thought, oh, he's had a police check, he's got to be okay. He can't be a criminal or a bad person and so that's why I actually clicked on him. His name was Glenn Cable. A successful 42-year-old property manager, he seemed like a catch. Texting for a few weeks before chatting on the phone, he and Simone eventually went out on a date and they hit it off. He greeted me with a bunch of flowers the first time we met. I can't remember that ever happening to me. I know I hadn't dated for a long time and obviously things grew from there. He was like a gentle giant. Glenn loved spending time with her youngest, Zach, taking him for an ice cream after school or for a spin on his jet ski. Simone was surprised that Glenn, who said he'd never been married or had kids of his own, was so comfy with her children. A perfect gentleman, he'd park the car, then run around to the passenger side to open Simone's door. But was he too good to be true? I wasn't experienced in dating men, but little red flags grew. Sending flowers to work to me, not just, you know, once a week or once every two weeks, every day. At the beginning, Simone was touched by the romantic gesture. But over time, she felt embarrassed. It was like Glenn was marking his territory. He wanted everyone to know that she was his. That was the first alarm bell. But over the course of their nine-month relationship, there'd be many more. Initially, Simone could explain away the overzealous displays of affection. But then cash started going missing from her wallet. Then contact details disappeared from her phone. At the start, Simone thought little Zach was the culprit. I said, 
mummy's going to have to ban you from my phone. He goes, mummy, it wasn't me. Honestly, I didn't do it. Gradually, it became clear that sweet little Zach wasn't to blame at all. It was Glenn. He'd started to get jealous of the time Simone spent with her beloved kids. He wanted her all to himself. In her gut, Simone knew she had to end the relationship. But Glenn was great with Zach, and Simone knew her little boy loved him. But her girls weren't so sure. Still, she broached the subject gently with the kids first before she broke it off with Glenn. I just wanted to get out of the relationship. It was, you know, causing me too much heartache. And Zach then actually said to me, no, mummy, he's a really nice guy. You know, he's, he's, he's fun. I, I get along with him really well. Glenn's plan had worked. He'd lured little Zach in and Simone didn't want to break her son's heart. He was her world. So she stayed with Glenn. Soon after, he took her and the kids for a fancy dinner in the city. But before arriving, he stopped by the river. Glenn had a surprise. He said, oh, there's something I want to ask you in front of the children. And he got down onto one knee. Um, I got nervous and thought, oh, no. It was like he got me in a corner in front of the kids and I felt so sick. You know, when you know what's going to happen. Down on bended knee, Glenn slid a ring on her finger and asked her to marry him. Doing this in front of the kids felt like a ploy. She couldn't bear to turn him down in front of them, especially Zach, who was enamoured with Glenn. Inside, she was screaming no. But she said yes. I didn't want to even look at the children. Zach would have been happy as Larry, you know, but it was just that a week or two prior to this, I wanted to end it because of the little red flags. Hopping back in the car, they drove to the restaurant to celebrate. The ring around Simone's finger felt heavy, like a burden. She didn't want to wear it, let alone share the news with anyone else. He's going, oh, are you going to ring your family? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? And took me ages. I used every excuse, you know, to go to the toilet, and I um, eventually did ring mum and dad, and they were really shocked because I hadn't met him or anything. The next day, Glenn took the ring to a jeweller to get it resized. It was too big for Simone, and she was grateful. It meant she didn't have to tell anyone at work that she was engaged. But the flowers just kept coming. And as each bunch arrived, Simone's resolve strengthened. Even when we were engaged for those few weeks, I knew I wasn't going to marry him. Simone had to call it quits, for good. A couple of weeks later, on Monday, September 25th, she dropped the kids off at school, but this time she didn't share her plans with them. Sitting on the train into work, she wondered how she should break it off. Knowing how manipulative he could be, she wanted a clean break. And I thought, well, I'll just text. It's done, short, sharp, and I don't actually have to, you know, speak to him. So when I got into work, I actually did it. It was such a relief to cut ties. Finally, she was free of Glenn's grasp. Getting home around 6pm after work, her eldest Gabby had started cooking dinner. In the kitchen, Simone told her and Ashlyn the engagement was off. That was the easy part. Zach was at basketball training. She'd have to break the news to him later. And I said, Mummy's ended the relationship today. 
Gabby did the biggest fist pump, like, yes. And Ashlyn said, will he come back, mummy? Simone said no, and she believed it. They hadn't been dating that long and weren't living together. There was no reason for Glenn to play a part in their lives anymore. She was wrong. There was a a knock at the door at 6.06. I could see that it was him. And I thought, well, I've got to show not only him, but the children to be respectful. And I hadn't spoken to him all day. So I went and answered the door and I said, hi, how are you going? He goes, good. He goes, can we talk about this? And I thought, I've got to give him that opportunity. And I said, yeah, sure, come in. And he goes, can we go into your bedroom since you know, the girls were in the kitchen. And I said, yeah, sure. I walked in first and he walked in second and shut the door. Behind closed doors, Glenn pleaded with Simone to take him back, but she was firm. You know, asking me questions, why can't we make it work? I said, look, let's just be friends. It's only been a short period. As you can see, it's busy with three kids and two jobs and da-da-da-da. I don't know if I tripped over my high heels that I had on or um, if he pushed me to the ground because he didn't like me saying that again. Suddenly, as if out of nowhere, he was gripping a baseball bat. Police would later discover that he'd planted it in Simone's bedroom on a previous visit. He was about to reveal his true colours. He lifted up the baseball bat and his face was like, his teeth were gritting. The next minute I look up and that's when I seen the baseball bat coming down on me. And that was sort of it, it was just like bang. Screaming for help, Simone threw her hands up to protect her face and the first strike broke her arm. Horrifyingly, the broken bone pierced through her skin. With the adrenaline coursing through her body, thankfully she didn't feel any pain. And so I yelled out to the girls, said, go and get mummy help, please go and get mummy help. And he's hit me another three or four times in the arm. Do you know what? I honestly thought I was going to die because I tried to get up with obviously that left arm and it just collapsed because it was snapped. Running into the room, the girls tried to stop Glenn, throwing whatever they could grab at him. For a terrifying moment, it looked like Glenn would turn the bat on Ashlyn. He did threaten her with the baseball bat, but he didn't swing at her, thank goodness. The kids were trying to do absolutely everything to to get him to stop it. The girls dialed emergency services and ran onto the street to find help. But time was running out for their mum as Glenn kept raining blow after blow down on Simone's tiny frame. By the time Simone's neighbours, Julius and Donnie, heroically intervened, wrenching a crazed Glenn away, she'd endured 45 to 50 savage blows to the right side of her face in just 10 minutes. Her skull had been caved in so severely her brain was exposed. At first, Simone's girls thought just their mum's arm was broken. But another neighbour, Karen, realised just how bad the damage was. Wrapping a towel around Simone's head, Karen cradled her crushed skull in her hands. She was literally holding Simone's head together. But somehow, she was still conscious. Apparently I was talking to her, I can't remember that. And I was going, oh, I've got to get up, I've got to go and finish making the kids dinner. 
And then I said, oh, I need to go and get a tissue. My nose is running. Like I was trying to use every excuse to get up. And she said, oh, it's okay. I'll fix it. I've got a tissue here. And it wasn't actually my nose. It was just blood dripping down my face. They had to put me in a juice coma at the scene. Otherwise, with all the swelling, I wouldn't have made it to the hospital. Simone had a broken arm, nose, cheekbone and eye sockets. Her top jaw was smashed, her skull shattered and she was blind in her right eye. She'd even lost her sense of smell. All because the man who was supposed to love her couldn't take no for an answer. The kid's dad raced to be with them. At 2am the next morning, they were told to fear the worst. After the children had done their police report, they actually had to come and say goodbye to me because they weren't expecting me to get through the night um, with my injuries and what had happened. And so they did come in and say goodbye. And um, the 26th of September is actually Ashlyn, my middle daughter's birthday. And so she had to come and say goodbye to me on her birthday. Simone's face had to be rebuilt and doctors feared she'd sustained severe brain damage. Waking up seven weeks later, she had no recollection of the brutal attack that had very nearly left her kids without a mother. But her friends and family weren't allowed to tell her about the attack. The doctors were trying to gauge just how badly her brain had been damaged. Her girls spent as much time as possible at her bedside, but little Zach was noticeably absent. I didn't even put it together that I'd been injured, to be honest. And I'd say, oh, where's Zachy? You know, where's my little Zachy? I actually found out from the doctor that saved my life. He goes, Simone, Zach did come up every day and see you, but he was actually vomiting and crying out in the corridor and saying, that's not my mummy in there, that's not my mummy, because obviously I was normal when I dropped him off at school and then he went to basketball training, so I didn't see him and so he couldn't believe it. It just breaks my heart. Simone had a very long recovery ahead of her. But with no recollection of what had happened, she thought she could just go back to her normal life. But it became even more clear that this wasn't the case when a friend she'd played netball with for 15 years visited her in hospital. She said, oh, we're in the grand final on Wednesday night. And um, I said, oh, I'll, I'll be there, I'll be able to play. But do you know what, how hard it, it was even for my friends because they weren't allowed to say, you know, oh, Simone, you, 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 you dipshit, you can't, you can't play netball type of thing. While Glenn had been arrested the night of the attack, it'd be 10 months before Simone discovered the brutality he'd subjected her to. Just never put it all together until one night I'd actually had to move into the brain rehab ward where, you know, they were trying to teach me from like a baby again, general things in life. And that was nine o'clock at night. You know, obviously the nurse changeovers and that's where I heard the nurses, oh, we've got Simone O'Brien in today. Um, she's a lady that's been beaten with the baseball bat. And that's how I found out. I didn't believe it for starters. I thought, how can that happen? I don't remember that. I don't feel anything. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't sleep that night. My brain was just, yeah, running. The next night I can remember saying, am I safe in here? Slowly but surely, with the love and support of her family, Simone's memories began to return to her. After more than 50 operations and a year in hospital, she was able to go home. Meeting the paramedics who'd raced her to emergency that horrible night, they said it was a miracle she was even alive. 
and they just said, Simone, you're the worst case we've ever seen. And the positive that I take away from them that they've given me is they said, lucky, Simone, you did get 45 to 50 hits. With any brain injury, your brain swells and because your skull was shattered, that's why you're alive today is because it was just moving and expanding as your brain was expanding. The children always have said to me, Mummy, you look dead in the back of the ambulance. Two long years after the hideous assault, a jury found 44-year-old Glenn Matthew Cable guilty of attempted murder. During the trial, Simone also learned that Cable had been married twice and had three kids. Justice Roslyn Atkinson said, It must be clear a woman is entitled to end a relationship without having violence inflicted upon her. Cable was sentenced to 15 years in jail and Simone feels like justice was served. Eight years on from the attack, Simone, now 44, still has to go to hospital weekly for treatment. But she always looks for the silver lining in her situation. Even losing her sense of smell has its upsides, as Zach very quickly discovered. Now he goes to me, no, 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 mummy, I didn't have to have a shower straight away because you can't smell. So turning life into a positive with um, my defects has been the best thing. Same goes for stinky farts. Cheekily, sometimes the kids will do what we call a cupcake here in Australia. Cupping a fart in your hand, presenting it to an unlucky person and releasing it right under their nose. They'll give me a cupcake, you know, in their hand and put it in my face and they'll go, oh, Dan, you can't smell anyway. It's a bit gross, sure, but it's also hilarious. And if there's one thing that Simone's learned, it's the power of positivity and having a giggle. Absolutely, and that's three things I say to myself each and every day, and they're simple. It's just stay positive, never give up and keep smiling. And, you know, a smile means a thousand words. It makes you feel amazing. You know what else Simone has to smile about? She's back with her ex-husband, the kid's lovely dad, Trevor. Simone's ordeal made them realise just how much they loved each other. We actually got remarried just on the 10th of January this year. We said um, on the invite, please come to our celebration. Um, Let's turn divorce life into married life again. Do you know what? It was the most amazing day. The love in the room was just phenomenal. It was amazing. Simone's heroes, her neighbours Donnie and Julius, who'd saved her that day, were there to celebrate with them too. My dad actually came up to me just after the, the ceremony and he goes, can you please take me to your lifesavers? I want to meet them and say thank you. I just, I, I cried and cuddled him and it was just, oh, and yeah, just, just an amazing feeling that my dad thanking someone for saving my life. It was, yeah. Sorry, I'm getting a bit emotional because it's, yeah, it's just, you know, how things hit home and it's good to talk about them. Domestic violence is so often a silent epidemic which goes on behind closed doors. Simone is working tirelessly to bring the conversation out into the open and in doing so, save lives. If you're affected by domestic violence, whether you're a man or a woman, she wants you to know that you're not alone. There is help and by asking for it, you have nothing to be ashamed of. Yes, it's hard to get out, but get out. It's the best thing that you can do because otherwise you could be 
you won't know it, but you'll be dead. Don't think, you know, oh, he's going to change. Don't hesitate because a pinch can turn into a punch very, very quickly. So something so small can turn into something so big. For Simone, talking about her attack and how far she's come is cathartic. In fact, she thanked me for sharing her story. But it's also a little shout-out to you guys who are listening. Now you can help spread the word. You've lifted 10 kilos off my shoulders. I've had a, a weight loss today because you've joined this DV journey and, you know, we've reached now and going to reach a lot of people that we can all just join together, so thank you. If you or anyone you know needs support, in Australia, contact 1800RESPECT on 1800 737 732 or in New Zealand, 0800 456 450. If you're overseas, please contact your local crisis centre. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you don't miss more incredible stories of survival. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. It really helps. And we'd love it if you could find our Facebook group, How I Survived, and we're on Twitter, at SurvivedPod. Next week on How I Survived. And I've never been hand gliding before in my life, so he says, uh, are you ready to fly? And I'm like, yep. And we're going to go three, two, one, and run, 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 run. I ran alongside of him, and then as soon as my feet left the ground, I just sank straight down. By the time I figured out that this is really, really serious, it was, you know, we were well above the trees. The only thing holding me up from falling was my hands. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.